That's funny. Matthew the tenth chapter, or thirteenth chapter, tenth verse. And the disciples came and said unto him, Wait a minute. Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more in abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that which he has. has. And as I was reading this earlier today, it kind of, my, a, a little scene went through my mind. My dad used to talk about the haves and the have-nots. And uh, he always said that's why he was a Democrat, because he was one of the ones that didn't have. But anyway... Uh, Therefore, now that, that is an explanatory word. Therefore, speak I to them in parables. And a parable, the word parable in the Greek is basically a transliteration here in the English. Parab, it's parabole. Para is the word which means aside, and bole means to just throw. So it's actually a picture of someone throwing something down. And so this parable uh, is the fact that he's throwing down some truth so throwing down an observation about something uh, beside these people so that they might understand. He says, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of, we would say, Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. Now, just at face value, reading through this, it doesn't seem fair to these people. He says, I'm speaking them to parables and not directly because they might see and, 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 not, and understand and they might hear and, and, you know, all that. It just seems like it's, it, it just didn't come out right. But, but this word, this first word in chapter, I mean, in verse 15, for, for is an explanatory word. It's, it's a reason word. He's giving them the reason of why he can't speak to them directly and has to give to them in a parable. He said, because this people's heart is waxed gross. The word, the two English words that are waxed gross is a Greek word which can be translated stupid. It's dull. It's uh, it, all those words that would describe that kind of a person. Uh, people that are just not... Uh, not, not on point. They're stupid, they're dull of hearing, which he says next, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Notice that. Who closed their eyes? They did. The word closed here is a word which means that the action of this verb was on their part. And in the Greek studies and all that, doesn't really matter right now, but but it's talking about they made the choice way back then to reject the Word of God. They rejected His covenant. They rejected His plan. And because they have done that, notice that, He says, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So the reason why they cannot see, and they cannot hear, and their heart is waxed stupid, 
is because they chose to walk away from the plans and purposes of God way back when. This wasn't that Jesus said, well, you're not on the inner circle, so I can't really tell you about it. No, no, they chose that. So, So let us take that as a lesson. That if you reject, and it's being done a lot these days, if you reject the Word of God, if you reject a concept that may be something you've always been preached to and taught about and all that, and you reject that, God cannot override that choice. See, uh, the sovereignty of God, it doesn't mean that, that, that when you make a stupid choice that He can just override that because He's God. He can't. He, you know, personal choice is, is, is of extreme importance to Him. Whatever, ever how you choose to direct your life, He'll honor that. See, he can't, he can't bring anything upon you to make you change your mind. And I know that's, that's some doctrines that a lot of people have. It's heavy on my heart today about, the, and I think in the days to come, not, not in the too distant future, you're going to see some great ministries fall. Because there's been ministries, and people of course, that have built their whole life and ministry on sand. And it's not going to hold. It's going to come down. It's not that God's going to take them down. It's that, it's that they have built their house on something other than the rock. What is sand? You ever got sand down and looked at it? Just looked at I mean, just got a micro, micro, what is it? Magnifying glass and looked at it. It's crushed rocks of any kind. Crushed rock. On the beach, you'll see it's crushed uh, shells, seashells and stuff. But, but it's crushed. So you see, you can't build on a crushed system. And that's, that's all the world has to offer. We can't build on sand because it will not hold when pressure is applied. And so there's lots of people. I could almost get into prophesying about this, and I'm trying not to. There's a lot of people out there that are enjoying a lot of great things financially and all kind, you know, when you when you have two or three thousand people in your church, it's not hard to take up an offering and get by. But I'm telling you, I don't know what's going to happen. But there's some things taking place that when those ministries cannot, they've not had a history of relying on the Holy Spirit. They've not had a history of relying on the on the principles of the Word of God. They've made their own way. See, that's the thing. If you have to make your own way, uh, it's going to fail you. Jesus said. If the light which be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? That means if whatever we're using to guide our light with is really not the light of the Word of God, but it's the light of the wicked one, then it's going to fail you. Things are going to happen. And so he says, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. So we're talking about the kingdom parables. And these are things that are, we told you what the kingdom of heaven is as opposed to the kingdom of God. And that is the present world we live in right now. And of course, then the seven years of period of tribulation will be included in the kingdom of heaven. But things that are going to happen. Now, I want, to, I want to identify, let's, let's read verse 33 of Matthew 13 before I say that. Verse 33. Another parable he spake unto them. 
The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, meal, till the whole was leavened. Now, how, ladies, just answer this for me. I don't know. How much yeast do you put in a loaf of bread when you're making it? How, does it take a whole lot? Huh? No. What, uh, so if you were making a good loaf of bread, how much yeast would you put in? Maybe a teaspoon, tablespoon, what? Huh? I can't hear you. Okay. So a little bit. So the picture here is that what leaven does, leaven works from the inside out, doesn't it? Is it true that you have to do what they call knead it, K-N-E-A-D, knead it, you work it together, and what happens that yeast apparently starts fermenting or, or working and you cover it up and, and in a few hours that thing is a big fresh, don't sound good. I'd, I, I'd love to have some, wouldn't you? Making myself hungry today. So that's the picture of this parable. The kingdom of heaven is as if a woman would take, and notice she put in three measures of meal. At the end of the message, I'm going to deal with that aspect of it. But right now, I want us to look at three identifying. Leaven is always bad in the scripture. Always. Uh, but I want to identify three tools of legalism from the word of God. Number one in chapter 1 and verse 6 of Galatians, we're going to identify the first one. The first tool of legalism, which we're going to call this, the first measure of, of uh, yeast or leaven is called doctrinal heresy. Doctrinal heresy. Paul says here to the church at Galatia, I marvel that you are so soon removed uh, which, which is, the word removed is metatiphemy, which means basically uh, like desertion from, you know, if you're in the army and you, you, you go off post and leave, you're, you've deserted. He said, which basically means to fall away uh, from him that is called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Notice that word another. It's the Greek word heteros. One not of the same nature or class or form. Now, this, doc, this problem, this legalism, is a problem today in present day tense. Here uh, in, this, in, in, in Christian churches, they're following after another gospel. It's not the, the, the word another is, a, is, is used in another place, no pun intended, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 12 where it says uh, the, about the gifts of the Spirit. To one is given wisdom. To another. That's the word anothen, which means we get our English word another from. But this word another is different. It, it's talking about tr trading something out. He says another gospel. Notice that. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. The word trouble here is talking about a political faction. You know, there's, there's church polity in churches today. Little, little political factions in churches. We're not big enough to have any of those. But in, in the bigger churches, there's factions of people. 
and, and those and it says that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. Now that word is metastrepho. It means to transmute or to turn around, to pervert. In other words, changing it, changing its form. People that would pervert the gospel. People that would like, like, like uh, for example, perversion, just sexual perversion. You know, there is such a thing. It's demonic. It's evil. But but people that want to pervert the gospel are trying to change it because they think that their view of it is better than the view that has been presented. And so they pervert it. They don't set out to pervert the gospel. They think that we've had it all wrong, see. Oh, well, you know, you're not up and coming. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to change this. Now listen to this. This is something you're going to hear a lot of. We need to change this so that we can be inclusive. Now, I'm, you know, as your pastor, I'm saying this boldly, out loud, on purpose, all homosexuals, lesbians, any kind of perverted people you can imagine are welcome here at Crosspoint. We're not exclusive. But because we include them, but simply because they need to have an encounter with God, doesn't mean that we're going to change and let a pedophile come in here and teach a Sunday school class. I mean, give me an ignorant break here. So, you know, we're, we're, that's the people that want to change or pervert the gospel today are wanting churches to accept these people. And as I put a little thing on Facebook, the Spirit of the Lord spoke that to me, if any of you have seen that, about that post, uh, that just because you have, you're, you're possessed with a demon doesn't mean that's your identity. See, these things lodge deep in the emotions, deep in the emotional realm of your, of, of your soul. And it is so deep that you think that's who you are. An orientation. See? So the, this, that kind of leaven has gotten into the church. Doctrinal heresy. He says, but, but though we or an angel from heaven Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. That's anathema. Uh, excommunicated without hope of being redeemed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men... I should not be the servant of Christ. See, So that, that is basically what's taking place here is that people are trying to uh, please people because it's easy. To try to please people. Uh, who was that singer years ago? Ricky Nelson. Remember Ozzie and Harriet? Ricky Nelson had a song out before he died, of course. I think just before he died. He says, I can't please everyone. So I'm just going to please myself. And, and that's the thing is, you can't please everyone, see. But I, you know, and I, you guys do not put pressure on me at all. And I don't think anybody that would come here would. But there's pressure that's put on ministry gifts today to change. To change the message. People that's been in the way for a long time are, are going to come up against some, some ministers and force them to change because we have to be inclusive. After all, it's the love of God.
No. When you give in to that kind of stuff, you're not loving people, you're destroying them. All right, the second tool of evangelism is ecclesiastical harassment. Chapter 2 of Galatians, verses 1 through 7. Then 14 years after I went up again into Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain, but neither Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus. That means people are, are brought in to privately the view, to view very closely and plot against your liberty, your freedom, to spy out your freedom. I'm telling you, I have seen preachers harassed because of preaching the truth and, and, and bringing people in. Listen, you're not free until you get freed by Jesus. You think that you, you're free to go and sin and do all this stuff. That's only bondage. I mean, it's true, as a Christian, we have the freedom to commit sin. You know, you, you can do that, but there's always a consequence. So there's people that come in and spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we gave place by subjection that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me, he says, God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of circumcision was unto Peter. So that they were being harassed by the ecclesiastical people that are trying to hold to the law, and criticizing them and say, you know, it's you know, these people need to be circumcised just like we do. If they're going to come in, they have to. Well, then it moves down into chapter two, verse eleven, and here's the third kind of of legalism, the third kind of leaven, which is personal hypocrisy. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his faith. The Greek word is antistani. It means to stand against, to resist. Uh, it's the same word used in 1 Peter 5 about resisting the devil and he'll flee from you. So Paul withstood him. He, 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 he stood against him face to face because he was to be blamed. For, for before that certain came from James who did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. He was eating with people and, and you know, eating ham. <laughs> fearing them which were of the circumcision, because that's why he separated it. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they, now notice this, that they walked not uprightly, that means to walk in a straight line, a straight course, according to the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter before them, all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Verse 15 says, "Who We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of 
the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin. God forbid. If I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. You say, yeah, but how does that connect to me today? How, does that, how is that true in my life today? Well, this little word law, is, and, and, and the tense in the Greek that it's listed here, means any kind of law. Not just the law of Moses, not those laws, but laws that men create to try to impress or gain access to God. Legalism is bad no matter where it comes from. Law is basically you trying to control the response of God in order to bless you. So we don't need to add Baptist laws, Presbyterian laws, Church of God laws, Pentecostal laws, cross point laws. We don't need to add any kind of legalism to our association with the gospel. Because you see, all that will do is put you in bondage. Now, legalism works. It makes you feel good after you have accomplished the prescribed legalism, the, the, the laws, rules, and regulations. After you've done those, you feel real good about yourself. But it's not going to uh, bring any freedom into your life. You're not going to have liberty, you see. You think you are, but you're not going to. So those are three kinds uh, of legalism there. But now I want to change this and go over to Mark chapter 8 and verse 15. And Jesus' warning against leaven here. He said, and he charged them saying, take heed, beware. Now we've said for the last two or three weeks what the word beware actually means. It means actually be very, very careful because the danger is very, very real. Now if Jesus said something to be beware of, I mean, when I, you know, in the cabinet industry, when I'd have a homeowner appointment, the, the, the worst thing that I could ever have happen when I put my hand on the doorknob or to knock was to hear a big ferocious dog. It's like when I went to you guys' house the other day. I mean, or if you go up to a yard and you see a big sign, beware of dog. What do you do? Do you say, ah, oh, he's not going to hurt me. Back when I was refacing kitchens, I had this lady, honest to God, she had a dog as big as y'all's dog, laying in, the, and this was a galley kitchen. You know what a galley kitchen is? It's just one straight, cabinets on each side. This big dog laid in the middle of the floor, and when you reface kitchens, I was usually there. I got to where I was only there a couple of days at a time, but, but you know, initially I was there, uh, you know, three days, two and a half, three days. And so I would step over that dog and work big dog and he growled at me and said uh, I said well he's you know, she said oh honey he won't bite and so just as fleshly as I could be I said ma'am if he bites me I'll be the last one he ever bites <laughs> she moved him I didn't have to put up with the dog anymore 
So that's what I think of. Those little scenarios come in my mind when I see the word beware. Jesus said beware of legalism. If we all realized that leaven, the legalism, and these things that we're going to talk about here, is just as dangerous as the big bad dog, as a junkyard dog. I wonder, I've often wondered why junkyard dogs were so mean, and it may be because they never get anything to eat. Because <laughs> those are trying to bite on the tires and stuff. But see, these, these things I'm talking about is very dangerous to us. So Jesus then says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And we'll deal with the Sadducees here in just a minute. But the leaven of the Pharisees was this. Laws, rules, regulations. That's what they were all about. They pollute the Word of God. Laws, rules, and regulations. You say, well, are we lawless? No. We operate now according to the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, You said, does, does that mean the law of Moses is null and void? No. It means that Jesus fulfilled it. He brought it to a completion. And he gave us a spirit when we were born again that we'd keep, we could keep the entire thing. The whole list of the Ten Commandments, you and I can walk in in Jesus Christ you know, by his Spirit. We can Walking in love, we can. So they pollute the Word of God. Now think about this. If I brought a 55-gallon water barrel in here of pure water, that, those water bottles that we have back there on that little fountain, if it was pure water, and I, took, I opened the little cap and I put one drop, somebody name a bad poison, Cyanide, arsenic. If I put one drop of that in that water, you know, the chances of that one drop hurting you is not very bad. But if you continually to drink that, it will be a... But if you knew that one drop was in there and you were real thirsty, and I said, well, here, let me give you some of this water, would you drink it? I wouldn't. Didn't matter how much is in. So that's the, that's the idea here about leaven. It works from the inside out. You can, you can take a wrong doctrine about God, a wrong concept about Him, and feed it down into your heart. And you probably get along good with it for a couple of decades. But after that thing begins to grow, it will add other things to it. And that thing turns into a big doctrine. How do you think the... Let's, let's, let's pick on one of them. How do you think the Jesus-only movement got started? You know, you know what Jesus... It's called the oneness doctrine. That Jesus is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. And they think that us Trinitarians are deceived. So, so the way that the, that the oneness doctrine, the Jesus-only doctrine got started and why they will only baptize into the name of Jesus is because of that scripture over there. It says, baptize in the name of Jesus only. And so they, and, and you know, that one little fragment didn't affect the church very long. I mean, you know, very quickly. But after a period of time, it grew, and now there's a whole denomination centered around that false concept about the Trinity. I mean, they can argue. I used to argue with people about the Word of God. I don't anymore. One, uh, I figure one of us is wrong, and uh, I, I don't want to be the one wrong. So I don't argue with people. It's just ridiculous to me to argue Scripture. 
But one time I did. And I took them over to 1 Corinthians 15. And I said, do you see this, what this says right here? What? <laughs> That's what it was. What? I said, this says that Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom up to God, the Father. Well, I didn't know that. We see there's a lot of things people don't know. But it's just the way that leaven does. I mean, that big, that, I'm thinking, I've got this image locked in my mind about that big wonderful loaf of sourdough bread today. Uh, it's because I'm not eating anything today because of my surgery tomorrow. That's probably why. But anyway, you know, that, that thing looks so good. And I told my wife one time, she said, you know, when you go to Red Lobster, they'll, they'll bring, is it Red Lobster? No, it's, a, it's another one. Anyway, you go and they bring those sourdough rolls out there about that big. But you know, if you mash it down real flat and fold it up, it's not much. That's what I told her. I said, well, honey, how many did you eat? I said, five. But I said, look here. It's not much. It's the same way with leaven, see. Same way with, yeah, you know, that's not much. It, it's all right. Go, go, go ahead and let that guy teach that Sunday school class. You know, I believe God will deliver him one day. It's not much. It's the thing about these masks that stuff around the nation today. It started out very little, but it wasn't much then, but it is much now. Amen? So what I'm saying to you here is that, that laws, rules, and regulations are very dangerous. We need to learn to walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, if you walk after your recreated human spirit, you won't violate any of God's laws, His rules, His regulations. None of them. I mean, think about this. If you have to be told, where am I at? If we have to be told not to do something, then what kind of relationship do we have? Before I act, usually if it's the wrong action, my spirit quickens me. Usually, there's a flag goes off. Now, it's very gentle. Your spirit has the same attribute that the Holy Spirit has. He's gentle. He's not going to force his opinion on you. The, the old head up here, the mind, the will, the emotions up here, can override that spirit. And he'll say, okay, I'll just stand back here and watch you get what you decide. And we do. And usually people will come and say, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening to me. Well, I do, you turkey. You believe in the wrong stuff about God. Amen, somebody said. Now, the next thing he said here in Matthew 22, uh, that, that, that uh, Matthew 22 and 16, it says basically, the leaven of Herod. Let's just go over there. Matthew 22, 16. Y'all get anything out of this today? I hope so. It's so important. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Uh, where am I at? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, hypocrites? Uh, show me the tribute money. And they brought it unto him a penny and said unto him, Who, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said at the end of them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. 
when they had heard these things, heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. And the same day came unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. Now Jesus said to behold, to beware rather of the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod. Well, how does that affect us today? The leaven of Herod always included two things that are very detrimental. Politics and hedonism. Hedonism is lasciviousness just let go. And it's interesting that that a lot, not most I guess, but a lot of the politicians today are caught up in hedonism. And all those uh, lasciviousness and all all sorts of, of those kinds of sins. So so politics and hedonism or lasciviousness, basically the rule of the people. You say, well, that's democracy. Yes, that's why we're not a democracy in this nation. So what do you mean? We are a republic. We're not a democracy. A democracy is that the the larger the crowd, what the crowd wants, that's what the crowd gets. And that's what's trying to overthrow this nation to this very day. Trying to overthrow it because, hey, for the greater good. No, you render things to Caesar that are Caesar's, and you render unto God the things that are God's. God told us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When a governor issues an an edict saying that you cannot worship together, then I'm not rendering unto Caesar anymore. I'm rendering unto God. And I will go to jail because I am not going to suffer as an evildoer. I will gladly suffer as a righteous person. Standing up for what's truth in God's word. So so the leaven of Herod then uh, is those two factions and we cannot allow it in the church. We are to work within the government, but not with the government. You understand? The... Now, I got a firsthand, bird's eye, never ever forget view of this in 19... November of 1980. November the 3rd, we, were, we had been there a few days, but November the 3rd was the day before the presidential election here in the States. If you remember, Jimmy Carter was president. And we were not allowed on the streets in, in uh, Quetzaltenango, any, anywhere in Guatemala, because of what Jimmy Carter had done for the mission work around the world. He, he, had, he had stopped more mission missionary work around the world than any other president ever has. And I thought that's so weird because he's, you know, a Sunday school teacher down here in Plains, Georgia. Well, the next day, Ronald Reagan won the election. And the whole country was glad. Well, on the 5th of November, we I mean, everybody accepted us. It was just wonderful because they knew things were changing, see. So on that night of the 5th, we had traveled down to Champarico, which is on the coast, and they let us have a day, you know, uh, on the beach there. The black sands of Champarico are exactly the same sands that's over in Japan. Same sand. It's black, and the, the, water is re- and the, the sun makes it very hot. 
And so we'd go out there and we'd run out to the water and all that stuff. Well, on the way back through, we had a, a, a meeting scheduled in the jungle. And so we set up and everything and all the people were there in a big circle under the tent and all this stuff. Just out of the range of the light were what people called gorillas. G-E-R-A-R-U something. They had guerrilla warfare. And they had their machine guns ready. And you could see them back there. Just beyond the lights of the canopy of the tent. You could see there's a whole row of them. And they were waiting. I asked Jim Zirkel, I said, brother, what in the world are they doing? He said, they're waiting on us to get political. He said, if you remember, there's been lots of Catholic priests that's been shot to death because they got political. And I wrote down in my mind right then that I was never going to go that way. And you know what? It's, a good, it's been a good thing for me because we're not supposed to be political here in the church. I don't care whether you're Democrat or Republican. Jesus can save you. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I, I really honestly don't feel like how Christians can vote for uh, the Democratic platform because of what they stand for, the abortion and all that. I, I, I personally don't see how you can. I have family members that are Dem Democrats, and, and, I, and I, of course, I don't get in arguments with me. I mean, the, the stupidest thing, other than arguing scripture, is arguing politics. So, so these things are Herodian leaven that gets in the church, and they feel like that their pulpits have to be filled with political speeches, and that's just not the gospel. You know, they never cornered Jesus with it. They tried to get him to. That was the whole deal about Judas' betrayal was getting him, the Herodian doctrine got into Judas and he said, we're going to make him, we're going, he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. And that's why he betrayed him into the hands because he knew, well, I've seen him heal thousands of people. I've seen him raise the dead. I know he has the ability. I know it can happen, so we're going to betray him and he'll have to take over. But it didn't happen that way, did it? So Judas had the leaven of Herod in him. And then thirdly, in Matthew 22 and 23, it says, The same day Jesus came, or same day came him to the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, uh, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed to his brother. Now, there were with us seven brethren. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, having no issue, left his wife unto his brother, likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and the last of all the women died also, therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall he be of the seven, for they all had her. My question is, who would want her? Nevertheless, Jesus answered and said to him, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So the leaven of the Sadducees is this. And here's a biggie. The denial of the supernatural. The Sadducees are people that did not believe in the supernatural, good or evil. But I've encapsulized this as also liberalism, Calvinism, the cessationists. This is, you, I, I, can, I can point you to a modern-day megachurch pastor right now in California that will stand flat-footed and tell you that tongues is not of God. All of the gifts of the Spirit have stopped operating when the last apostle died, and they do not function anymore in the church. And he's well-received. 
That is the doctrine of the Sadducees. That's why they're sad, you see. Second Timothy 3.5, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know what the word deny, one of the definitions for the word deny in the Greek language is to contradict. Paul the Apostle himself in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians said, forbid not to speak with tongues. That form of leaven will contradict that. Say, so, well, you know, we don't allow that in this church. You have just forbidden somebody to speak with tongues. See? And Paul said not to. I believe Paul, don't you? But notice he says, but not denying the power thereof. What does he say to do? From such, turn away. Atropeco, which means basically to run away from, avoid, join, a shun. Do not join yourself to them. Get away from those kinds of people. Now I learned something a long time ago, D.D., that who you fellowship with determines what kind of victory you walk in. So if I start going and fellowshipping with people that's not good for me, then it won't be long where I'll be drawn away into that kind of activity. See? Same way with church doctrine. If I go somewhere and start going to a church regularly that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, they don't believe in the move of the supernatural. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. It won't be long to where it'll just vacate me. It'll, it'll just leave. Now, 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 it's very, very serious about these things. So, the, you know, and I've, I've, I've gleaned over these quite a bit today. But I want you to think about this in the next upcoming weeks. Because it's these kinds of things that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are trying to get out of our hearts. Because they've been in there in that leaven. And only God can remove leaven once it's been mixed in. But, but the devil knows how leaven works. All the ladies here in the house know how leaven, or how yeast works. It works from the inside out. Well, it also works in the positive. Now notice that verse. It says uh, Luke 13, 18 through 21. Same thing that Matthew was saying in Matthew 13. He said, then said he, unto what is like in the kingdom of God? Whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lods in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. I want to use that in the positive sense today. And leave you with the positive note here. The life of Christ that is in you is the only life that proceeds from the Father. And it's the only life that is anointed uh, with dominion and authority in this world. The only life. The other life that you used to live, it's not anointed. It can't do anything. Romans 8.19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So you see, it's God's will that His life that's in us and, and I want to use this in a positive form. The leaven of the Spirit that's put, put in us when it's allowed to grow, when it's allowed to, 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 you know, to increase, the, His life then is manifested in our life, in our mortal bodies. See? So, 
James 3, 5 says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. So that's why I asked you what, you know, is it a teaspoon or what that you put in that big lump of, of, of dough? It's because it doesn't take much. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God. That when we put just a little bit in there and meditate on that, it begins to grow. So leaven works from the inside out as, as, as so there's the life of God. And uh, leaven in meal here, in this, in this particular instance, is referring to the new nature that's in you. That's what your leaven is. So let it work out. Philippians 2.12 Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So let that work out. So why three measures? Leaven in your spirit is the new birth taught by the Holy Spirit. Leaven in your soul is when that from your spirit comes into your mind, will, and emotions, and you have, you have a, a renovation of your life when you get leaven in your soul. And then, of course, leaven in your body is when your right standing that you have in Christ Jesus reaches the outside and you become whole. See, when let, let's put it this way, if I can. The leaven... Of the, of the healing scriptures, when put into your spirit and allowed to cook, allowed to bake, allowed to rise, when it manifests, that leaven manifests, then your body, what part you need, is healed. It becomes healed. That's the leaven of the Spirit of God. So, so Romans 12.1 then, and we'll end with this. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service. So it's, been, it's, it, it's very, very important that we grasp the weight behind keeping leaven of the world, of the Sadducees, of the Herodians, and of the Pharisees out of your heart. Don't let it be in there. If you discover it, ask the Holy Spirit to remove it. You know, it's so much easier to, to minister to people who've never been to church before. So much easier to get somebody that's never even known about Christ. To get them born again and filled with the Spirit and teaching them the Word. But when my teaching that the Lord gives me, you know, it falls on the ears of those that are filled with leaven. It does nothing but it's, it's just an irritant. And people will bow up against it and ridicule and reject. And I can't do nothing about that. So I, I just want you to be on guard about things in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to root that out of you. Get that, pull that, pull that leaven out and put the leaven of the Word of God in there. Amen. Meditate His Word day and night. Let that, let that meditation continue. Day and night medica medication. Meditation could be medication, I guess. It's when you focus your attention on His Word all the time. When you wake up in the middle of the night, the Word's on your mind. Not that 70s song that you heard earlier in the day. Amen. I happen to be partial to the 70s music. But uh, anyway, let it be the same way with the Word of God. 
Y'all stand up with me. Daisy and, and uh, Daniel, will you come up here? And, and we'll, uh, like one preacher said one time, got up at a ministerial gathering, citywide gathering, said, it's time to lift the offering. We're not here to lift anything from you. Daisy and Daniel. Are you preoccupied, honey? <laughs> All right, now, can you guys tell me why we give? For God. Huh? For God. Yeah, but why? Because we love Him. What, who else do you love? Jesus. Who else? Holy Spirit. Who else? People. People, there you go. <laughs> we love God and we love people. And that is our only reason for giving anything, not just money, anytime. Anytime we help somebody, that's the reason. If it's any other reason, it's no good, is it? So, Father, we come to you today again. Thank you for the message today. I, I pray that it, that it settle in the hearts of the hearers. But, Father, we pray today that this offering today will simply be because we love you. We love these people here. We love the people of Moreland, Woodward County, this nation. And we know it will all go toward the management of this ministry as well as reaching the lost. We thank you for it today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody have a word to say before we go? Like to ask Delmer to come and pray? As the man hobbles up here. And it's this man's birthday. How old are you today, brother? 64. All right. Been there and done that. He, he wanted to request you to pray for my knee. Okay. Which one is it? It's the left one. Okay. Same as mine. Yep. Thank you, Father. You said we could come before the kingdom. We have the grace to do that. Father, I ask you to heal Pastor Jerry's knee. Father, that this surgery that he's going to have, that that would go smooth, a perfect procedure. And Father, I thank you that Jerry don't have to go through the pain that I did. And Father, it's all for a reason and it was nothing but good for me because it made me seek you out like I've never had before. So Father, right now, I ask you, in Jesus' name, to give him